Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're here. We're using Matt Kahn's book, Everything is Here to Help You. And if you'll remember last week, we talked about the three things that aren't here to help you. (laughs) So I want to recap those really quickly. When you find yourself in a position of either worry, anticipation, or regret, those are probably thought patterns that are unlikely to prove positive in your life. And we covered that last week to some detail and some, uh, some issues around how we can cope when those feelings of either regret or anger or worry should come up for you. But today it's all good news. Literally everything else is here to help you. Now some of you, well probably all of you are like, yeah, well what about, I can give you a list of some things that when they happened to me or when I felt them, didn't seem like they were here to help me. And today we're going to talk about that in more particular. But I think where I want to start is actually the premise of the idea that everything is here to help you. It's a very science of mind proposition we have going here. First of all, if we believe that God created everything and created it out of itself, it leads us to the conclusion, of course, that that we're part of the divine, that we're part, in fact, of God's experience of the universe. There's nothing outside of God, and so what happens to us and our perception of the world, our consciousness in its own way, is part of a smaller piece of the overall divine. And so it, it always brings up the question in my mind, well, why wouldn't God want to support itself? Why would God somehow subscribe to the theory of hard knocks? Have you heard the theory of hard knocks that you don't get anywhere unless you really suffer? I think that's kind of crazy in a way. Why would God choose suffering for itself through us? Now certainly in Science of Mind we believe that we're given free will. And so that would be my primary explanation why things sometimes go horribly wrong. It's because I'm powerful enough to really make some decisions that are stinkers from time to time. And of course, I'm in the company of other people that are only too human as well. And sometimes our stinkeriness (laughs) overflows and makes itself uh, apparent in the lives of other people. And so, yeah, things as they say happen. But otherwise, otherwise, everything really is here to help us. Let me explain. Matt Kahn does a lovely job in the book of taking really a, quite a grocery list of all of the things that maybe seem negative in our lives or, or feelings that uh, when they arise bring the idea of negativeness into our world and one by one knocks them down. One by one explains why, well, on the surface this does look pretty bad, but let's take another look. And so I've selected three of the, what I think of as primary ones out of the book today that I want to discuss. The first one is a difficult one. It's loss. And whether you've lost a a friend or a family member, uh, whether you've suffered a loss in your home or of property, uh, when things like that come up, doesn't it feel like a part of you is missing? And what Matt Kahn says is, this is actually 
useful for the development of our spirit. Not that we need to go through a loss in order for our consciousness to grow, but when we do go through a loss, it's reminding us that we are not beholden to other people and other things. It's that reminder that there's a part of us connected into something even higher, that we don't need to look towards a, a friend, we don't need to look towards our living situation, we don't need to look towards our home or, or our families for the definition of who we are and the power that we have. It's the reminder that our primary connection is to spirit itself. And so when we feel a loss, if maybe uh, some of our property is vandalized, when we feel a loss, uh, a, a friend has passed on or a loved one has made their transition, certainly we feel that loss. That's appropriate. That's what the grieving process is about. And we know that the grieving process can take, uh, well, whatever it takes for an individual. And the reason that we don't succumb to the depths of that is that we also know our primary relationship is to spirit itself, something that is eternal, and that our own soul, our own spirit is eternal. And so when we suffer a loss, of course, we do have those feelings, and it's also a call to recognize the truth of the eternality of all life, to know that there is a safety and a security in our primary relationship to spirit, something that can and will endure beyond any kind of loss. So yes, we feel the loss, and it reminds us that life endures. It reminds us that we are in ourselves and in our own relationship to God always safe and secure always. What about anger? You know, in polite company, uh, I'm thinking of myself as I was growing up. In polite company, we were not really allowed to be very angry. Does, does anyone identify with that? I don't know if this was a more of a little boy thing than a little girl thing, but I suspect it was probably pretty universal. Uh, when the anger rises, when you're like purple and like pissed off beyond all content, uh, uh, there's a little voice from childhood that says, Larry, what are you doing? Shame on you. Well, first of all, I'm here to tell you that anger is actually your friend. It's a signpost that something isn't as it should be. So feel the feelings. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, that shortness of breath and that, you know, the face gone purple and the, the anger that's coursing through you. It's appropriate when things aren't right that you have a feeling to remind you of it. Have that feeling. It's also, though, a sign that you need some space. And I remember, uh, I think my mom was probably pretty smart when I was a little one. She said, I think it's time for a timeout, and we'll talk about this later. <laughs> and you know what? As adults, when we're feeling the anger, when rage comes up in us, it's actually a good signal of self-care. Because I'm here to tell you, good decisions are not born in the midst of anger. Good decisions are born with rational thought after the anger. So the anger is here to tell you something's not right. 
You know, there's something going on here that is not right. It's our intuition in a way kicking into high gear saying, let's figure this out. But of course, the time to figure it out isn't when you're purple and your fists are clenched. So give yourself the time out. And here's where often I think we make the mistake. Often our mistake is, well, okay, so that's past. I'm going to hope for the best that it doesn't happen again, right? We kind of stuff that useful information that something isn't right and just kind of hope for the best. Well, the, the trouble is you're actually building up those layers of unresolved anger. And there will come a time when a friend in all innocence says something that's like putting the last straw. Have you ever heard that was the last straw? And and I know that you feel it and can kind of sense it when someone has put the last straw and suddenly, oh my gosh, it's like the volcano erupts. And sometimes the volcano is not even in any context of what just happened because you're reacting to years of upset. You're reacting perhaps to years of shame or other feelings, and suddenly, oh my God, the volcano. So instead of that, the process really is we feel the anger, we give ourselves the time out, but that anger is a signpost that something isn't right. So when we are calm, when we're in our right thinking again, it's time to pick up what was wrong. It's time to put some understanding and some intelligence, some rational thought into actually solving the problem. Now, anger is a call for both figuring out things that are going in the world that are not appropriate. It's also the call to begin setting boundaries and uh, problem solving with the people that you love and care about that perhaps are participating in this anger, right? It's that time in a level-headed way, the anger has passed, to talk about what is right for you and not right for you. Not while in the anger, but using that anger as the impetus to be making good, safe, uh, loving, and appropriate decisions for how you want to be treated in the future, what's right for you, what's not right for you. Basically going inward to find out what is true and proper for you and the ability to stand firm in that, the ability to negotiate from that place actually of power. Once the anger has passed, then we can stand in the integrity of our own power and make decisions, set boundaries, and move forward. So we've covered the idea of loss and anger. I have another biggie that we need to talk about, but I think I'll introduce it with a joke so it doesn't seem like quite such a biggie. So a fellow went to a psychiatrist complaining of crippling fear in his life. Every time I lay down, every time I'm in bed at night, I get this terrible feeling that there's someone or something under the bed. And I got to tell you, I stay awake all night. Wow, responded the psychiatrist. You know, I haven't really heard of adults having such a phobia, but all phobias can be treated. It will likely take around 10 to 20 sessions. I charge $150 per visit. The psychiatrist explained the procedure, and the fellow said, you know, I think I'm going to go home and think about it. 
Well, weeks passed, and when he didn't come back, the professional thought he should give the man a courtesy call to see what's going on. How come I didn't hear from you, he said. Well, responded the man, when I came home and told my wife about the cost, we thought we should save some money, so we just sawed the legs off the bed. (laughs) So yes, the last thing that we need to talk about is fear. And I got to tell you, for whatever reason now, fear is at a fever pitch going on right in the United States. We need to be able to look at the triggers and the ideas that are bringing up fear for us right now. Because fear, believe it or not, is one of the tools that can be here to help us. Now, fear is closely relying to worry. And you'll remember last week we talked about the idea of worry not being useful. A worry is when we have a fear, and instead of acting upon it in some positive way, we just keep it going. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and then what if that happens? And then what if I lose my job? And then what if I can't find another job? And what if I'm too old to get a better job? And, and pretty soon you're in, a, it's like a cyclone of negative thoughts. It's very difficult to get out of. And so absolutely this idea of worry because of fear Something we need to put out of our mind that is not helpful. But fear itself, believe it or not, is your intuition again telling you that something isn't right. It's that niggling notion that something is about to happen or happening right now or could happen. And so again, once we have allowed that emotion to process, now how does fear typically present itself in our body? It could be that shortness of breath. It could, have you ever had the feeling like the hairs on your hands and the back of your neck were kind of standing up? That sense, a little bit of dread, that sense of there's something wrong here. Some people will even say that it comes to them almost as like a bad smell or a bad taste in their mouth, as though some of their other senses are involved to let them know something isn't right in the world. Well, once again, the experience of the feeling itself is there to be processed. We comfort ourselves. We do what is necessary right in the moment. Sometimes fear means we need to run across to the other side of the street or to dial 911. And of course, for those kinds of fears, we immediately take action and whatever we need to do to be safe. But so often there isn't something to be done. We allow the fear to process through us in that chemical way in about a minute or about two minutes at the most. That chemical sense of fight or flight will dissipate and that's when we engage our thought process. What is spirit telling me isn't quite right? What plans can I put into effect that will mitigate this fear. Last week I teased you with an example. Uh, Most of us have either been teenagers or have teenagers. Uh, Well, in fact, I guess if you have one, you by definition were the other. Uh, In in any case, uh, everyone knows that, of course, for many, many years, our job is what? Absolutely to protect our children at all odds, to keep them safe. And then, gosh darn it, they turn into teenagers and, uh, and then eventually adults. And they're self-sufficient. 
And there comes that in-between time when they're wanting more autonomy and we're finding it very difficult to imagine that our 16 or 17 or 18-year-old can make all the good decisions they need to be safe in the world. They're staying out all night. They're partying with friends that we're not so sure about and so on. And of course, there has to come that middle ground between the five-year-old that needs to be protected and the 50-year-old that's living totally autonomy. It's not just a switch we pull. And so, of course, sometime in there, the fears arrives. Is she safe to be out past 10 o'clock? Is that boy that he's hanging out with uh, into drugs? Those, those fears will come up. Those fears will come up and they are a signpost that yes, something does need to be done. So we allow the, the chemical part of the fear to pass through us. And then we don't just hope for the best. Now is the time to engage our thought processes. Where am I in this continuum? There still needs to be the element of, of my longer life and, and life wisdom around what's safe and what's not. And there also needs to be the autonomy of someone who is nearly an adult and wants to make the decisions, even sometimes the not good decisions, on their own. Where is the middle ground? It's the call for us to have honest conversations with the people that we love. It's the time of compromise. It's the time of uh, what does safety really look like and what does freedom really look like? It isn't a time to bury our head in the sands. The fear is there to be processed using our good thought processes and our negotiating skills. And so we have that conversation and we listen intently to the, also the needs for freedom. Do you see how this can turn into an absolute positive thing? Because you're not just processing on that one night when someone stayed out too late. That was the signpost, but the real conversation is, how do I give you the freedom that you're due as someone who's 17 or 18 years old? And how do we accommodate my lessening of the reins and my urges to, to have you be seven years old until the end of time, right? It's that place of loving negotiation. So we could take something as, as scary as fear for the life of a child and turn it into an opportunity for something that's truly beautiful. And I would suggest to you that all fears can be handled in that way. Whether it's the fear of instability at work, whether it's the fear of our body having some of the issues it may have from time to time as we're getting older or experiencing a disease, we can look at the fear, allow it to process through our body, uh, see it as a signpost of something that needs to be taken care of. And then with love and with the integrity of our, our more spiritual means of thinking, we begin the negotiation process. We begin figuring out what is reasonable to be done in this case. If it involves other people, we, we go with the idea of love and compromise. Uh, if it's something in our own mind, we, we begin looking more rationally as it. Do I need to be afraid of this? Is this perhaps just a, a natural process occurring that, uh, that I have no control over? And so therefore, does fear really help me? in this process? Do you see how we can begin diffusing the fear in the future, 
by looking at it in a more calmly but head-on way in the present. Now, Matt Kahn goes on to discuss a whole variety of other what we think of as negative thought patterns. He talks about jealousy, he talks about judgment, he talks about a variety of other things. And if any of those particular issues are up for you, I definitely recommend the book. But I will tell you, the simplicity with which he approaches all of them is pretty similar. The idea, first of all, we honor that emotion. It is there for a purpose. It's okay to feel the jealousy. It's okay to sense judgment in yourself. It's okay to feel that loss. These are all here for a reason. And ultimately, if we choose, they can be here to help us. The help comes from processing the emotion, uh, having a good cry if that's called for, allowing yourself just to feel as pissed as you can if that's what's up for you. Allow the feelings to, to have their effect. They're here to point out you have options in the world. You do not have to continue with what's going on in your life right now. Once the emotion has processed through, we try to learn from the wisdom of it. Here is how it's here to help me. If it's jealousy, do we need to talk about this relationship and what is true and good for each of the people in it? What are the boundaries that we will hold together as a, a couple or as in a friendship? If it's an issue of fear, is it something that can be worked out between people? Or is it something more internal, a signpost for me to really look? Is my fear reasonable? Can I take action on it? What I love about the book is it really portrays all of our negative emotions in their potential for good. And the recipe for all of them really similar. We allow the feeling to occur. We, we have our good uh, scream in the car or, you know, what, however it is that you feel called to work out of emotion, but you allow it to occur because that's the fuel that will move you forward later into keeping on with whatever's going on to allow your intuition to plug into some of that energy and really figure it out so that it is more resolved. So it really is a good news story. Having said that, when you're in the middle of the anger, when you're in the middle of the loss, when those feelings of jealousy or whatever it is are on you, know that this too shall pass. Know that this is not defining you. Know that you're having the feeling. The feeling isn't having you, right? And doesn't sometimes, doesn't it feel like the feeling is having you? So allow it to just process through you. Bless yourself. Treat yourself with gentleness. Remind yourself that the feeling is here because something isn't quite right. Allow the wave of whatever the negative emotion might be to pass through you. And then give yourself the permission to deal with it. Once that calmness and that, that inner wisdom self becomes present again, what can I do in terms of safety? What can I do in terms of boundaries? What can I do in terms of holding myself up in high enough esteem to have myself treated the way that I wish, the way I desire, the way I deserve. And then becomes, hopefully, the pleasure 
of figuring out what can be done. Sometimes it will involve honest conversations with others. Sometimes it involves just honest conversations with ourselves, right? But in any case, we, we look at what triggered the fear. We look at what triggered the upset or the anger. We don't just uh, sweep it under the rug and hope for the best. That's why that signpost, that emotion was there. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to negotiate a different set of boundaries with that coworker or with that boss. I'm going to keep myself safe. I might just be, in my own mind, the necessity of looking at something a little differently. Do I really need to be afraid of that? You know, probably not. This is part of what's going on. I don't like it, but I probably also don't need to worry or be fearful of it. Make sense? You know, I often craft a particularly lovely treatments for you to close the sermon. And today I discovered that Matt Kahn had done it for me. So uh, I'm going to use his right out of the book. He says, I accept that everything I experience is here to help me. Whether representing patterns of emotional debris clearing out of my field or acknowledging as layers of unconscious healing, I honor each thought, I honor each feeling, for its highest evolutionary benefit. I embrace the nature even of adversity when it helps to create a proper melting point to transform my personal life. I acknowledge a deeper reason for fear as signals from the universe of impending moments of growth. Instead of getting tangled up in the sounds and feelings of conflict, I can respect, honor, and welcome each spiritual ally for its highest evolutionary benefit. In doing so, I serve my purpose as an angel in human form, incarnated to uplift the collective without having to dim my light or match its vibration. I give great thanks for this wisdom. I recognize in it my own self and my own life. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, 
You are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.